Hello, folks. This is Princess. You are listening to the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share with your friends. It's tough. We're in a very tough spot. I think that what we're doing right now is of great benefit and virtue because it's an end around between this whole corrupt informational system, media system. We claim to believe in a God who spoke the universe into existence and literally raised himself from the dead. And yet we're not going to believe that anything else exists in the spirit realm, even though his word tells us that they do. Their bodies weren't permitted to go to sleep like humans do. And they weren't permitted to go to heaven. So they wander the earth. You know, I've seen the eyes turn black to unknown tongues being spoken. These giants would live way up in the highland. The young graves, the young men would hide up in the trees and wait for one of these 12 footers to come walking down the path and they would jump on them and kill them and drag them back to the village and the village would feast on the body. Then people start to get weapons, they start to get armor, they start to build cities, they start to fortify their cities. Now, God looks down and there's violence everywhere. The battle, this war that we are at, is not against each other. It's against these principalities and these rulers and these archons in the high places. It's really worthwhile to read the Bible yourself. Fear is one of the primary drivers of mind control because we have to take every thought captive and resist fear. You're going to have a testimony that is a justice case against the kingdom of darkness. Welcome back to the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. I'm your host, Rod, and thank you for being here with me for another awesome episode. I'm joined by Dan Duvall. We have quite an interesting episode in store for you guys. We get into toroidal earth. For the big conversation of flat earth versus globe earth, we want to offer some different views that you guys might not be aware of. We also talk about portals, the veil thinning, the ripple effect, Illuminati bloodlines, frequency, elves, the lion people, and the antediluvian timelines. Design, body, soul, the mind, the spirit, the pre-Adamic emotional interaction. I mean, this is one of those Dandoval episodes that, yep, you just kind of go into the deep end of the pool and have some fun and share thoughts, ideas, scriptures, and I'm excited for you guys to enjoy this one. But before we get to that point, leave me a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast catcher. Whatever one you listen on, that helps the algorithms. That helps us find one more person just like me and you. We're coming up on season five very soon. I've been producing this podcast for quite some time, and I'm hoping it is helping you guys along your journey. But now we are in need of help to keep this thing afloat over here. So in the details in the show notes, you guys can find the link for Cash App, for PayPal, and GiveSendGo. We are asking you guys to sow back here into the Millennial Mustard Seed ministry, into the podcast, because we have big plans and we need to keep this thing afloat. 
We're not talking about asking for donations so that we can go on some elaborate vacation. We are literally looking to keep the lights on and to keep us moving forward with a lot of things that we're occupied with right now. And exciting and big news coming in the near future. But for right now, I'm not going to waste any more time because I am ready to jump into this episode with Dan Duvall. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Dan Duvall, executive director and founder of Bride Ministries, also the lead pastor of the Bride Ministries Church, podcaster, book writer, international speaker, and minister to survivors of satanic ritual abuse and government-sponsored mind control projects. I'm excited to talk about some interesting topics. Welcome to the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. Dan, it is an honor to be back with you again, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So you always cause quite the ripple effect in a good way here on the Mustard Seed. <laughs> so I'm excited to see what waves go out from this conversation. <laughs> well, the last time I was on, I think you had me talking about the Elemental Kingdom, which was, I'm sure, at least one or two listeners experiencing that conversation for the first time ever. Uh, you have a yes. way of just, um, I don't know, <laughs> pulling me in all kinds of directions. <laughs> it's so interesting, the responses that we get back here on the mustard seed, and it is an overwhelming positive response. So it is helping people. And really, yeah, we kind of wing it here. I mean, I have questions in mind, but I do believe in the freedom of where the spirit decides to go. So some of the things you laid down our last conversation uh, yeah, uh, hinting back to that ripple effect. Very good. <laughs> but I'm excited for today's conversation with you, bro. I just have a couple things I'm going to bring up right off the bat, and we'll see where it goes from there. But right now, there's a big topic of conversation between flat earth and globe earth. And it, I don't necessarily prescribe to either one. I think it's much stranger than that. You planted a seed the last time that you were on and talked about terodial earth. Would you mind just recapping on that a little bit and giving us a little bit of insight? Yeah. So, you know, it's like sitting on an island while, you know, the United States and Russia go to war, right? It's like, all right, you have this world power of flat earthers and like all of this research. And then you have this, you know, world power of globers and then all of this, you know, and then, and then you have, I'm, I'm just sitting on an island watching these two camps go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm just like, I don't think either of you are right. Um, with, much less research. I mean, I, I, I'm just going to be honest. I have not dedicated my life to researching toroidal earth. Um, and so I kind of come at it from the standpoint of, um, this is what I believe and I'm just going to go ahead and move on. And if you have any other questions, I invite other people to just consider some alternative facts. <laughs> we could call them that. No. <laughs> Here's the thing. I think that, number one, the best argument for flat earth is the um, deep in 
inspection of globe Earth claims scientifically, because there are certain things like the curvature of the Earth and how that should affect sight lines and different things that flat earthers can sit there and point out all day. And it's just like the, the, the answers that globe Earth people have to some of these things are, are, are just lacking. Uh, there are some things that just don't seem to make sense. At the same time, you know, there are aspects of the flat earth that I just have to disagree with right off the bat because of what I do, um, such as the firmament argument where there's, you know, really you don't have any, you can't even really have a satellite. It's just like you just have a firmament and the stars sit in that, but there's no like going outer space to other planets, interstellar travel, this, that. And because of the copious amount of people that I've worked with who have in fact been off planet and been to other places, Mars, Venus, dark side of the moon, Orion, Arcturus, uh, like all the, the different, different planetary systems. I, it's, I absolutely cannot buy that. So, you know, I have, I, I have found fault with both of those and, and, and it's just listening to them debate each other back and forth. And it's like, well, you know, there's some good points over here. There's some good points over here. I get it. You know, it's like you, you read the Bible and it's like, well, if there are pillars of the earth, then where are you going to put the pillars if it's round, you know? And, and so you end up with some of the, the, the struggles, I think, um, when you read old Testament texts and specifically certain passages, especially like in the book of Job and other places, there are just certain descriptions being made and, and it seems like a flat earth would fit those, those descriptions almost perfectly. And so th then you end up with other questions as well. Like, well, if it's not flat and this is what the Bible says, then what do you do with this? And, you know, I, I'll just give you one example of how certain things end up being not quite what you think they are. For example, pillars, um, one of the things that we learned going into the spirit world and, and, and working on getting people right, untethered, freedom, deliverance, and healing from high-level bondages is that sometimes there's um, an interaction with, with, with pillars of realms, and those realms aren't necessarily the physical 3D earth. They can just be regions of captivity on other dimensional planes. But what we found out is, well, every, every realm that is a, uh, whether it's a, you know, a planet in this 3d universe or not in another realm or whatever, they all seem to have pillars. Everything has pillars. And, and the pillars of all of these realms are, are actually hierarchies of spirits. And you could almost reflect that idea through a totem pole visually where you like in, 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 our world, you see that people have carved out totem poles and you see a series of faces being carved into like a, a tree stump or whatever. And it's a totem pole. And it's like, well, no, but, but, but in the other realms that the pillars are actually like a hierarchy of spirits that kind of stack like a pillar. And that would kind of mirror the idea. And so we began to realize, well, when you talk about pillars, you're not talking about stone columns when it comes to realms the size of planets or regions of captivity or other dimensional planes. Like, so, so what we realize is, okay, so there's a lot more 
to creation, to earth, to the other realms, even to other planets, then, then maybe you would think at a surface level reading, like, so it's like these terms that we find have deep spiritual underpinnings that come, uh, 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 through that, that are revealed almost like in layers. Now with, with that said, we, we just come back to your question, right? All right. Well, you said toroidal earth. Now my whole thing on this, I work with survivors of satanic ritual abuse, government-sponsored mind control agendas. I work with people that have defected out of the Illuminati. And, you know, when I when you work with people that have defected out of the Illuminati, you meet parts that were involved in Illuminati agendas. You, you know, and sometimes people will think, wouldn't it be nice if someone that was, you know, deep in the Illuminati, like, like, like David Rothschild, just came out publicly and just explained to the whole world everything that they're working on? Right? How nice would it be to have someone at the level of like they would know everything that they are doing? Just tell us what they're doing, right? Instead of all these researchers trying to, you know, uh, decode a music video or the Super Bowl. <laughs> this is what they're doing because I decoded this and this symbol means this and I researched it. Yeah. What if we could just find someone to just say it? Well, interestingly enough, you know, when you are working with people that are defecting from, you know, groups like the Illuminati that have been programmed by them, they may not in their presenting personality be able to tell you everything they know, right? Most of the time that is completely impossible, but they will have soul fragments and broken pieces of their humanity that have independent consciousness. This is what, where dissociative identity comes order, order comes into play. But when when those parts begin to be liberated from their places of bondage, their control mechanisms, and the, the mind control itself, and they're able to speak freely, they can tell you plain as day English what the Illuminati or other groups that are working in collaboration with the kingdom of darkness are doing, even at the highest levels. And so I know all kinds of things that have been told to me in plain English. It's just like, well, no, this is this and this is that, Daniel. And, 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 and so the concept of toroidal earth is one of those things. The first time I was explained a toroidal earth, it came from someone who had a, we could call it a soul part, a, 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 an identity that worked with like the Illuminati, an Illuminati scientist. It was an Illuminati scientist in some respects. And, 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 and they ran all of their algorithms and equations and everything that they were, their science off of the reality that they believed that the earth is toroidal. So that was just told to me. It's like, no, no, no. We know, like, as like the Illuminati scientist of which I was one, that the earth is toroidal. It, it just is. And so, okay, I took that as a data point. But, you know, hmm. in my work, I get to interact with um, not just, you know, soul parts of people that have information that their presenter may be dissociated from who have been involved in all kinds of levels of the kingdom of darkness. We have a lot of interaction with heavenly beings, Jesus Christ being the main one, obviously also father, God, Holy spirit. Um, but you know, a lot of the Lord's angels are working on um, the same things that, you know, God has called us to work on deprogramming people, getting people set free at the, you know, the highest levels of, of programming and abuse. And so, it's not uncommon for me to be in a session where angels show up 
or Jesus, you know, and, and, and they'll be in a place, we call it just beneath the surface. The person will kind of see this like right at the screen of their mind. Um, it, 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 and anybody that's done inner healing work, you know, that this is going to make sense for people that have never done this. It may make less sense and that's okay. But it is entirely reasonable to have an encounter with Jesus or his angels on the inside of your, of yourself. Because one of the things that Jesus says is, I'm, I'm going to make my home with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Like, how, how can he never leave you if he's not in you? And so he is, and we can encounter him there, but not just him. He's the gate of his kingdom. Jesus says, I'm the door, my sheep going in and out of my pasture. If mm-hmm. Jesus is there, his agents can be there. And so we encounter Jesus and his angels in the course of doing work with people all the time. And sometimes I get to ask questions. Either I, and I'll be working with a person and I'll just ask, you know, angel working on this project or whatever we're trying to, you know, deal with. And I have done this on a few occasions, both with Jesus and the angels. I say, hey, quick question. <laughs> what? Is the earth toroidal? I have never on a single occasion of doing this gotten any answer other than yes. And I've tested wow. it multiple times. So... That's where I start to make my case from. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I, I'm working with hidden spiritual knowledge that is entirely and um, intentionally covered up because it's like if you have two people both arguing the wrong point, you can keep people spinning their wheels forever. And this isn't to take away from anybody that's you know really put a lot of work and effort into trying to get to the right answer. It's just... I think I sit in a unique seat. And so this is my opinion at present. Very fascinating. And there's so many points there that really stand out with me. If we're arguing the wrong topic, we'll just keep revolving around and around. I think it would be more, we could be better stewards of our time if we were dealing with inner healing, discipling people. Um, being Berean, studying with a readiness of mind. But I mean, I digress to my next question, but uh, I love everything that you just said there, Dan. It's very good. So I want to web this one in there. We can kind of ride actually on that question about Tarodial Earth, portals and the veil thinning. Do, Do you think that people at large are starting to recognize the veil thinning? And how would you describe the veil and portals is my bolt-on question to that question. <laughs> so wherever your mind goes with that, please. Um, wow. Yeah, there's a, there, there, there's a lot to say on this subject. So um, where to begin? Number one, all right. I think, and let me just, and I, I'm, I'm probably going to get a lot of haters on this statement, but I've made it on my own podcast and in other places. So my opinion is that the flat earth debate is a psyop. I actually believe that it is designed to um, detract from an ability for people to comprehend what's actually opening up onto the earth at this time. 
I think that the earth is at the center of a massive cosmic conflict. And if you reduce the cosmos to a view that basically um, excludes the reality of a travel to other planets or constellations or star systems um, is in, in essentially saying there is no such thing as outer space. I think that you are really setting people up for a deep deception because the veil thinning means that these realms are now having more access to the earth. And, and so there is an expanding conversation around encounters with entities that do not have origins on the physical 3d earth technologies that are being brought into the earth whose origin points are other places in the universe or even other universes entirely um frequency technologies that are being developed on the basis of research that was not done here it it, it, it there's a lot and and Part of the veil thinning means that Earth is being influenced more and more by what does not originate in humankind, right? And, and humankind may onboard certain things because of agreements and covenants and contracts and arrangements, but there's a lot that's going on. So, so one of the things that people are really, I think, if they're willing to go there, becoming aware of is what's called the secret space program. And, and the secret space program has been going on for a very long time. The secret space program basically means that you have a lot of human outposts on different planets, Mars, Venus, dark side of the moon, uh, Ceres colony, uh, which is a dwarf planet. Um, you have a lot of human activity, you know, on certain moons of Jupiter, Saturn, um, in, in addition to interactions with all kinds of other entity groups. And, and there's a lot that those interactions and, and that world of reality is, is, is causing on the surface world of the earth. You, I, I mean, I'm of the frame of mind, you can't even explain the world we live in anymore until you expand your like frame of reference and realize the, 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 what produces our reality is not limited to what we physically see under the sky on this planet. And, and so when we talk about the veil thinning, I think there's a lot more information and, 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 and access to understanding that of all of this world I'm beginning to describe. And, and I see flat earth as this, you know, kind of unfortunately, it's like misinformation to take the attention in a completely alternative direction and to get people so focused on, this model that they can't see the forest for the trees or even realize what the Lord is beginning to expose as the veil is thinning. Because I promise you the reality around the end of the age that we're going to walk through is not business as usual. Um, 
I mean, the Bible says at a certain point in the book of Matthew 24, men's hearts will fail them for fear of those things which are coming upon the earth. I mean, they're not just building Nephilim hybrids in underground bases on the surface world of the earth. There are whole factions that are working on hybrid entities to, to literally destroy people and eat them alive. But they're, but they're building these things in bases on Mars. And I, I have eyewitness testimonies of people that have seen them physically. And so, you know, I, I think that, okay, the veil thinning allows for more traffic between the physical surface world of the earth and other realms to include other planets, both above and below ground, um, certain craft, right? Things that are in the um, outer space realm, but then other dimensions as well. And, 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 and so the thinner the veil gets, the more traffic is able to cross and, and, and go back and forth. And, and this includes everything from like UFO sightings to uh, strange creatures, Bigfoots, Yetis, blah, 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 all of that. Like, they, like they, um, the frequency of interaction encounter and all that, it's just going to keep expanding and expanding as the veil thins. And when we like look at, okay, well, what is a portal? Definitionally, a portal is a gate, an entrance to a palace. It's a door. And so what portals function as is, is, is gates of transport between different realms or dimensional planes. Um, with that said, you do see a lot of portals in the Bible. I mean, portals are all over the place in the Bible. And, I, and I'll give your listeners a few references to help them. When God has Abraham um, make a sacrifice, he has to get a couple of different animals. He has to get a turtle. He has to get birds. He has to cut these animals in half. And um, what happens is he falls asleep. It says a horror of great darkness came upon him. And then what, what you see is like Yahweh God, he comes and walks through those carved, cut up animal um, carcasses all by himself. What what's happening there is that God is establishing this Abrahamic covenant. And the beauty of the Abrahamic covenant is that it had nothing to do with Abraham. So Abraham did not have it in him to invalidate the covenant. God establishes covenant with Abraham entirely based on his own person and his own character, which is why Abraham has to fall asleep. He gets like just knocked unconscious. And then God does it all by himself, right? It, and, and, and this is a type and shadow in some ways of the new covenant we have in Christ Jesus, which is, you know, Jesus establishes that covenant on the basis of who he is. It has, it has nothing to do with our performance. So he becomes to us righteousness from God, wisdom from God, redemption, sanctification. He fulfills the righteous requirements of the law. He is the appeasement or the propitiation for our sins. He is the acceptable sacrifice to the Father. Like in all of that, you hear none of Dan, none of I, none of, you know, and, and the Bible comes back and says, you know, we are saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God and not of works as any man should boast. So you have this environment where you have covenants in both cases that are being established by God himself, all by himself. And then we get the benefits. So Abraham got the benefits and God said, I'm going to make a mighty nation of you and your descendants will be as the stars of the heavens. Well, now with that said, how did God arrive on the earth? 
And that's because well, well, he was physically there to walk through those animals and establish that covenant because of a portal. There was a portal that was a trans-dimensional gate that opened up between where God abides in what the Bible would call paradise or the third heaven and the earth. And, it, and, and, and the opening of that portal created a cloud and a horror of great darkness because there, there's this phenomenon that happens when a portal opens between the earth and the third heaven that this dark cloud will form and, and it can even be seen and also felt, right? And that's the, that's the tear in time space. That is the opening of the gate or the portal. So where you also see a dark cloud like is around Mount Sinai, because when God sits on the top of Mount Sinai, right, Moses goes up the mountain. He has to go through that like dark cloud. There's this massive trumpet blowing. The people are terrified. They don't want to go anywhere near the mountain. Moses goes in the mountain, spends 40 days and 40 nights with the Lord, doesn't eat or drink. Um, he comes down, the glory of the Lord's on his, it's so intense. He, people can't even look at his face. He has to cover it with a veil. He was with the Lord. But he was with the Lord on the mountain. He he was there because a portal rips open between physical earth and and paradise or or you know the realm of God's kingdom. And so you, you actually see right there with both the Abrahamic covenant, Mount Sinai, portal activity written right into the word of God. You see this similar process happening in the book of Ezekiel, chapter one. And so, so the whole chapter one of the book of Ezekiel is this, this really strange passage. I, I think I read it every day for a month trying to figure it out when I was in Bible school. I asked so many questions. No one seemed to understand what it meant. So you see these creatures, they have four faces, they have these wings, they have these wheels, and the wheels go wherever the living creatures go. And it's just like... Uh, you know, and then you see the firmament there and above the firmament, there's one who's sitting and it's like, well, what the heck am I reading? What is this guy trying to describe? And if you go into the very first few verses, what you see is that um, um, the whole encounter for Ezekiel begins with this like f- fiery cloud engulfing itself. And that is the opening, again, of a portal between physical earth and the third heaven, or paradise. And so it says, you know, I looked and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud, raging fire engulfing itself, brightness was all around it, radiating out of its midst like the color of amber and out of the midst fire. So this 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 cloud activity, again, with the, the fire, and it is the terror in time space that is the gate it's a transdimensional gate bringing in a being that does not normally abide in three-dimensional earth realm god that what actually comes through that tear is the throne of god which which is accompanied by the four living creatures this is the, the same living creatures in ezekiel are again described in the book of revelation around the throne of God. God's throne has wheels because it's mobile. It doesn't just sit in one place. It, it, it has mobility and um, it is accompanied by these, these, these beings. And so you actually see the throne of God come in, um, in Ezekiel chapter one, right? And, and it comes in to encounter through a gate or a portal. Now, that would explain portal activity. And there's, I mean, there is a lot of portal activity through the Bible. And it, if you really read 
the Bible for what it is. You learn so much about portals. And what you also learn is that portals interact with the elemental kingdoms. Like, in other words, if it wasn't for the elemental kingdoms, you would not have portals. Because every portal in the Bible seems to, in some way, shape, or form, um, interact with the elemental kingdoms. I'll explain. For instance, there's a portal through which the fish that Jonah is swallowed up by travels to Sheol. Because in Jonah chapter 2, he says, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried out. How did he get there? Well, there was an underwater portal. And, you know, if anybody has really done their research or listened to the people that have talked on my podcast, you will know that there are underwater labyrinths. There are access points to the waters under the sea. Um, The deep is a realm. There is a lot of points under the waters that have portal activity that can either take a person to another location on earth or to another earth entirely that is an alternate earth. And, you know, there are plenty of people that have utilized these portals in various ways. Um, All of them would be, you know, in the occult because this governance, this realm is pretty heavily governed by the powers of darkness, but, but the portals exist. And so you, you have the underwater portals. The Bible describes that in the book of Jonah, you have earth gates, during the rebellion of Korah, as uh, Moses is, you know, trying to lead these people, you have this situation where this whole group goes into rebellion, right? And and Korah is kind of like in charge and their leader. And so when they are judged, the earth opens her mouth and swallows them up. The entire rebellion gets swallowed up by the earth. Though so that's an earth gate. That was a portal portal opened, but it physically like it interacted with the earth and, and, and they disappear inside and go somewhere else. <laughs> Probably not good. Um, that, that, that's a portal. Um, these other portals that you see described, right. Uh, in the book of Ezekiel, um, the, the, well, the first description is the whirlwind, right? So you have wind and fire because the fire is engulfing itself and, and coming out of the midst of it. Like that's a fire, air portal um in the book of judges you have the situation where manoah the father of samson is visited by an angel who prophesies the birth of samson and tells the parents some things that they need to know about their son after they make a meal that angel steps into the fire that they were using and ascends to heaven. He, but, but the angel is a physical being. He has a physical body. He's wearing one. And, and so it, it, like what they saw is a physical person actually step into this like cooking fire, which would have freaked anybody out. Like, what are you doing, you crazy person? Why would you step into that? No. But then he like dematerializes and ascends mm. because he's using the fire as a portal. It's a gate. Well, that's an elemental. It's it's fire. So so like mm. we we just go from <laughs> example to example to example, even extending into the New Testament. And and um, there are so many examples of portals and gates, heavenly doors through which beings interact. And um, what happens is. As the veil thins, it gets easier for people to interact with whatever is on the other side of the veil, typically. 
right? That's that's what it means. It, it so 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 what we're experiencing right now in the body of Christ, there are more people having angelic encounters, I think, than at any time in recent history, the last several hundred years. I mean, if someone said they saw an angel, that was like, oh my gosh. But you know, I mean, it, maybe it's just the circles that I'm in, but I mean, I, I talk to people that are interacting with angels like on a weekly or monthly basis, like in encounter, it's just becoming almost like normal routine way of life. And um, in, in the kingdom of darkness, I think that they are interacting more often and more intensely with beings that, you know, shouldn't be here than ever before. Um, and while some of this activity is occurring in, you know, like deep underground locations, underwater locations, secret places, um, it's also bleeding through to normal surface worlds. So I would also say we could almost call the veil the restrainer because in the book of second Thessalonians chapter two, you have the message of a restrainer, which is, is, is not explained like it, like the Bible doesn't, Paul doesn't tell you who the restrainer is. It just says that there is one and it will restrain until it's taken out of the way. But the mystery of iniquity is already at work. And, and, and what happens and this is one way for people to look at it. That restrainer is is something that God put in place to protect the surface world of the earth from things that should not be here. The agenda of the kingdom of darkness is to sidestep it or to get around it any way they can. And eventually they want to bring the whole thing down so they can get everything in. With that said, um, at the, the restrainer is in a sense thinning because the kingdom of darkness is doing everything they can to punch holes through it to bring in more and more activity from other realms and dimensions as time goes forward because they want to accomplish their agendas and objectives, a new world order, the manifestation of their antichrist, um, their one world governance. They, they, they want to bring certain things in and they know that they're going to need the partnership of everything that sits in other realms in order to pull it off. And so they're trying, it's not just that things are being built on the physical earth. They're trying to bring their kingdom in literally from the other dimensions. Very, very fascinating. So it leads me into want to ask you about the ripple effect. I think yeah. the apostle Paul in the new Testament, he says, I knew a man, whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. You just kind of covered a good bit of, you know, even the testimony of anecdotal evidence of eyewitnesses leaving and going to different realms, if you will. And then there's plenty of spiritual encounters with people traveling and experiencing different levels of this created state we're in. But the ripple effect, do you think that Hmm. Let's just say people working in tandem with the kingdom of darkness are using antediluvian technology, ancient iCloud realm technology that may be getting activated today. The last time that you were on the way that you had just spoken and described, you know, the veil thinning and portals could very well be they're introducing that from the kingdom of darkness here. And it's starting to ripple out. What does your mind do with the ripple effect? And let's talk a little bit about frequency. Okay, so you're gonna to have to help me a little bit. So, 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 
in like a, a concise statement, what do you mean when you say ripple effect? Just give me a simple definition. For example, like here on the podcast, we'll talk about something mm-hmm. and it will go out into all of these listeners' ears and cause them to now digest something that was on the back burner for them. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I have a license now to go there because I'm not alone. That's one of the common threads over the course of the years. Mm-hmm. It gets way more particular than that if like, you've written these books on prayer. And I've had some personal experiences with praying through the prayers in your book. And it's like a ripple goes out and disrupts things that are not intended to be an operation and strengthens and brings into operation things that are intended by God. And and I kind of am developing language for this still. I've been pondering a lot on this ripple effect. So I'm hoping you can help me kind of maybe add some language and get some insight into what your mind does with this idea of ripple effect. It's (laughs) God is, is trying to open some things up, right? Let me, let me, let me just say it like this. The way the body of Christ operated in yesteryear is not the operational parameter that God will use to bring about the final works he wants to do in the earth. He has to upgrade people because you ask yourself certain questions. I was like, okay, how do we apply hymnals and a basic three point message and more comfortable pews? Maybe we upgraded our, our, our wooden pews to, you know, soft cushioned wooden pews. Like, to a confrontation of new world order powers and satanic beings coming from other dimensions successfully. Like how can I leverage my hymnal, my uh, three point sermon and my, my pew into, in, into an effective, right? Confrontational approach. Well, you can't, I mean, it's just like, it's literally ridiculous. Religion does not stand a chance against what the enemy is building but ability to interact with the kingdom of god effectively does and so what god is doing is he he, i mean i see him breathe right he breathes on stuff so you may hear a hundred ideas in a day but the one that's going to expand the mind and the spirit in a direction that will take a person deeper into their calling with God, the Holy Spirit's going to breathe on it. He's actually going to take it and almost like hold it in their face and be like, think about this. And people will feel like compelled to keep going back to that one thing. Like they may, they, they heard a hundred things that day, but like God is trying to open something up. So he'll get behind it. He'll Mm. breathe on it. And suddenly it's like, I need to, you know, uh, pursue. So, so what happens is I, I think that with certain things and, and I happen to be a bit of a beacon, right? So part of my job is I'm a pioneer. I am a, a, a tip of the spear in many ways. God called me to pierce the veil of darkness and to suffer all of the consequences of being at the tip of that spear, which, you know, 
There are plenty. And then also the benefits. I, I mean, there's a lot of benefits that I also enjoy as well. Like the yes comes with a balance. And then there's a knowledge, a wisdom and an understanding that also gets established in that place. So, so when I will speak on certain things, there's, it's going to be a loaded conversation where God's going <laughs> to breathe on a whole lot. And it'll be like, yeah. well, ping, 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 ping. You yeah. know, even if I disagree with what Dan's saying, like a lot of my ideas are not original to me. Like I didn't, <laughs> they were given to me <laughs> in the course of like piercing the veil at this tip of the spear. I would have never figured half the stuff out myself. I try to tell people that like, you know, if you think that I wrote these prayer books because I just sat down with three like volumes of theology, you know, <laughs> 101, 201, 301, 401, read all the books, did this, did this research. And then, you know, it's like, heck no, that's not how we did it. Yeah. We, we went on the other side of the veil and began to mine, data mine the spirit world for the concepts and the knowledge and the this and the that. And half the thinking was done not by my soul, but actually by my human spirit, which we can talk about that. We're a three-part being. And, and, and the spirit has a mind of its own that is able to process spiritual knowledge and translate it to the soul so that the soul can put human language on it. So that's how half the stuff happens. I I actually can feel my spirit thinking sometimes. And to me, that'll, I'll almost feel the spirit thinking like, like, like behind me, like where, where my heart is, but like behind that, like it's like behind and I'll feel movement almost there sometimes. And it's like, you know, like not even in my head, it's like, in my back or like behind my heart. And there's like, there's like, there's like a thinking that's happening in that realm. And I, I, I connected that. I'm like, I know when that feeling is happening, my, my spirit will be thinking about something. And then it's like, there's a translation that happens and I'll have original thoughts in my head that I'm then able to put English language around, but, the, but they, they reveal spiritual mechanics that I cannot look at with my physical eyes. And, and, and so I've learned a dance. Like I, I lean back and forth between spirit and soul by design. Mm. Holy spirit lives in the Christian human spirit. So people, they'll, they'll trip up on that. Like, well, what do you mean? Where's Holy spirit in all of this? It's like, well, he's in me. Um, anyway. So, so like, and, and, and out of all of this, we get prayers that go places that, uh, I, I mean, I would have never figured it out in my natural course of study. So, Okay, so the ripple effect, right? You, you go deep into the thing, and then God begins to breathe on what He is trying to awaken His people to, and and that creates a ripple. I think that creates a ripple. So it's like the breath of God, and God's breathing life into His body because He wants His body to come alive to His agenda in this hour. That's something we have to awaken to. It's not like we get it by default because we were born, you know. Um, we got a three-point sermon and a hymnal, and now we understand and are awakened to what God is doing in this generation. It's like, no, that this is something that is God is breathing into his body in real time and in a progression. So every year I learned something I didn't know the year before. I'm always learning more about the plan of God. I and, I, and, I, and I'm learning more all the time about how, how deep and how vast and how far things really go. And the Lord actually just recently opened even another book of, of, of information 
on a realm that I hadn't really done a ton of consideration on. And um, I don't know if you're interested in talking about pre-Adamic realm and age, but there's a whole lot on that that has a lot to do with now in ways one wouldn't think. And um, Fascinating. Yeah, uh-oh. let's go there. Yeah, seriously, let's go there. That sounds great. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Yeah, that's all I got to say. I'm, I'm sitting back in my chair, gripping the chair, and I'm ready. <laughs> you're gripping the chair. Yeah. Explain to me, how does, like, are you gripping it, like, tight, like you're stressed? Have, no. Have I stressed you no, out? It's, no, panic? that was just, uh, I was being a little bit facetious. No, it, it, okay, three things are happening with my mind right now. Let me nail this one and go back to the gripping the chair scenario and then let mm. you finish jumping into this antediluvian stuff. So the first one is like, this is a ripple effect concept that I believe the Bible is showing us when the prophet is speaking over the dry bones, right? God is showing them these Valley of dry bones and he's telling him to prophesy. And it's like, there's like this kind of order and a flow of things that it's cause and reaction, cause and reaction. So just planting that little seed there for somebody's mind out there. The next thing is I get to talk with you once or twice a year and I'm pretty persistent, which is being paying off. And you drop bombs every time I talk with you. <laughs> so my metaphor for gripping the chair is like, oh, yes, that wasn't actually in my original questions, but let's go there. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> and we minutely touched on this last time you were on, and I think it was June this year, Dan. And this iCloud technology we have today. I I think most people walk around with these cell phones in their pocket and don't really realize there's a plethora of information stored in invisible space, the iCloud, iRealm, whatever you want to call it. And thinking, well, is there an antediluvian realm technology that is on the other side of the veil, which is thinning, that may be getting activated by things that are happening in this time slot we live in. So please tell me your thoughts on what you're bringing up there. And very fascinating. Yeah. So, okay. So um, we recently had the Bride Tribe Advance and um, Bride Tribe Advance at our ministry every year we, we um, have a event. In 2018, we started with like 40 people. We just, you know, people online connected with the ministry, like in live studies. And it was my wife's idea. She has a lot of very good ideas. And she said, look, we need to all get together and just like see each other in person. Because there was no physical church at the time or anything like that. It was just like, you know, people online. And so we planned the first Bride Tribe. We called it a retreat, but we ended up changing it to advance the next year. And, and we, 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 um, got together and, and it was just a really, really good time. People loved it. So we did it again, six months later, we actually did four in the first two years. And then we moved to a yearly model and it just, you know, it kept growing. But once we started calling it an advance, it was like, every time we do one of these events, it's like the Lord is opening a new book, um, a new layer of, of, of information. And it's, um, it, it, it is uh, like opening up another season at our ministry in the way that God is speaking and, and unlocking things, right? And so, so like um, last year, 
there was uh, a, a revelation that came forward and, and a lot of data behind it on Illuminati bloodlines, right? And um, we created this prayer called Freedom from Illuminati Bloodlines and Genetics. Um, and they actually, I called it something different. But it, it's like a very, very long prayer template for deliverance. But the concept behind it is that a lot of people may think, well, the Illuminati bloodlines are, and then, you know, you'll get your names, Rothschild, Windsor, Rockefeller, DuPont, right? So these families that are, you know, tend to be globalists, they run the world, they sit on different councils that have, you know, international impact when they make certain decisions and so forth. And sometimes they're not involved in, you know, the best ideas or agendas, right? Okay. <laughs> so we call these, some of these groups, the Illuminati bloodlines. And, you know, there, there, there's been an ongoing conversation about that, but I, you know, I mean, I, I started asking like right out the gate, it's like, well, but where were the Rothschilds in 3000 BC? And if there are these so-called 13 bloodlines, like where is their origin point? So we do get this piece of knowledge that there seems to be like a convergence in Nimrod and um, that has seemed to carry, right? So there's a lot of, of connection that almost anyone that carries an Illuminati bloodline will somehow, some way have to Nimrod. But he's not the origin of the 13 bloodlines. They seem to go far behind. And so when we began to press on how far behind and where are we getting these breakthroughs, we got before Adam. And, and, and this took us into a realm of, of exploration in that it seems like there are a certain certain groups that pre-existed Adam that were engaged in a conspiracy against God that continued during Adam's placement and then afterwards and an agenda to hijack the human genome with their bloodlines in order to accomplish their agenda through man as a platform. And, and, uh, you know, there's a lot behind that, but part of it is the redemption of heaven and earth was, um, uh, legally anchored to mankind so that Jesus Christ could, as a man redeem, not only fallen man, but heaven and earth in himself at the cross. So the whole setup of God's cosmic redemption through Jesus Christ was centered on men. And, you know, so they realized that they didn't completely understand it, but they hijacked right with their bloodlines. And, and so, so we began to run into, and, and I, and I data mined a whole list of, of different entity groups. Some of them were shocking. Um, I, I was less surprised about like, uh, one of them happened to be the elves and, um, you know, an, an, another one was the, Actually, the um, the lion people those that was that was a shock. I, I, I a lot of these um, European crests you will find lions on them, and these family yes, crests are associated yeah. with the Illuminati uh, bloodlines. And you're like, why is there a lion on all these crests? Huh. It's like, well, actually, there's a whole group called the Lion People that seem to have claims on these bloodlines, and 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 they are not from Earth. Um, hmm. So anyway, we we uh, 
but I have a whole other list. I have a whole list of these, you know, anyway. So that, that was like, okay, this is a pre-Adamic conversation. I don't fully understand, but the book kind of opened on it and it was like, okay, we, we use this freedom from um, pre-Adamic Illuminati bloodlines to get a lot of people set free. In fact, we did a mass deliverance at that advance. So many people had so many testimonies, right? And, and here's the thing. The Holy Spirit does not heal based on a lie. We'll fast forward one year, and again, the book continues to open up. So in order to understand what I'm going to say next, a person has to understand design. Um, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, may the God of all peace sanctify you completely. I pray your whole spirit soul and body be preserved us unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this, this framework has helped me to become a thought leader. And, um, I think one of the better deprogrammers in the world, uh, when it comes to, you know, getting people set free from mind control stuff, it's understanding human design and understanding that you have a body, a soul and a spirit, according to the Bible, they are all different there. It, it is not soul spirit. We are not dichotomous. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And we also have a realm called the heart. Cardia in Hebrew, leb in, or, or cardia in Greek, leb in Hebrew. The heart is a realm itself. The Bible says this, the, 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 the uh, word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, bone and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so the heart is... It actually exists across multiple planes, right? You have a heart that is spiritual, a heart that is physical. And overall, it is the subconscious of man. That's the mind of the heart is the subconscious mind. And then you have body, soul, and spirit that all interact as an integrated network through the heart. So... You see that what affects one part of our being affects another part, such as a broken spirit dries the bones. So this passage in the Bible links that if our spirit has brokenness, our physical body will have ailments. You see what I'm saying? So, so we're an integrated unit. Yes. What affects one affects the other. I, I mean, I could tell you, you know, there are people that have diet-induced diabetes that are not fulfilling their call or able to walk out their spiritual mandates in Christ because of the condition of the physical body. It goes both directions. And we, okay, so when we understand that, the next layer is to begin to understand it. Well, each layer of our design has its own intelligence. The body has an intelligence. Uh, they even call the gut the second brain. The body can be muscle tested for intelligence and it can tell you things. It can even tell you what foods it wants and what foods are not good for it. Um, there's, a, It has its own mind and we could say for that reason it has its own like consciousness. The soul is the operating consciousness most people are most familiar with because that's what sits... And, and pretty much does all of the thinking out of the brain. And, um, you know, it, it, it has emotions, will, everything else like that. You also have a, a mind that sits in the human spirit and it doesn't use the physical brain to do the thinking. It actually has its own like 
situation going on. And you as a human are able to shift into different aspects of your design. If you know what you're doing and you can do it intentionally. And this is one of the fastest tracks to enhancing a robust experience with God as a believer, because in the book of revelation, uh, chapter one, right before John's encounter with the resurrected Christ, it says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I explained to people, John got out of the mind of his soul and shifted into the mind of his spirit. And once he was in the mind of his spirit, he was able to perceive the reality of the spirit world around him in that the resurrected Christ was right there with him. Now, I don't necessarily believe that the resurrected Christ had to arrive. He was already there, but he couldn't perceive that in his soul. He had to shift into the mind of the spirit that's, that actually experiences reality on the other side of the veil by design to realize what was there and who was there. And then the book of Revelation opens up. And I tell every believer, I say, you know, if you learn to shift into the consciousness of the human spirit, your prayer journal will look like the book of Revelation. And, you know, people that have sat under our teaching and uh, learned to interact with their human spirit, it, it's true. I mean, it, it, these are these are thousands of people all over the world now. I mean, it, it, so I don't have to make my case as hard as I used to in the past when I didn't have so much evidence, like human testimony, actual people. Like, <laughs> So yeah. we just say it now. It is, is what it is. Okay, yeah. here's the deal. We are put together as humans the way we experience reality at conception, where the physical body begins to exist. So we get our physical body through the egg and the sperm. The soul is put together. Part of it comes from above. Part of it comes from below. That's another conversation. And then the spirit is sent in from the throne of God, taking its assignment in the earth. And so, you know, God tells Jeremiah, before, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So, so, so Jeremiah was an office prophet as a spirit being before he was conceived. And his spirit received his assignment at the throne of the Father and was sent in at the appointed time to his conception event. That's, but that's everybody. Okay. With that being the case, what we have begun to understand is that, okay, well, how far back do human spirits exist prior to their conception as a physical human being? Well, the answer is very far. In fact, the Bible says of Jesus Christ, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. We are created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them, according to Ephesians chapter 2. God created our spirits in him a very long time ago. And um, we first began to run into some of this knowledge when I would, okay, so I would help people to engage with their human spirit right? Which is not a demon. It's, it, it's not a ancestral deception. This is like, you know, so people, people will try to label things. They don't understand all kinds of nonsense, but it, the Bible says we are body, soul, and spirit. So get over it. Like that when I help P 
people and as their soul to connect to their spirit, we're able to let the spirit speak for itself, right? Not only have I gotten to know my human spirit, many people have gotten to know theirs. And, and there's been a consistency the whole time where I will ask the human spirit. I say, where were you when God was laying the foundations of the earth? Well, the answer always comes back. I was with him. I was in him. I was there. I was watching. I was helping. So on and so forth. Um, the Bible says in the book of Job chapter 38, um, you know, uh, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements. Surely you know. To what were its foundations fashioned or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Well, we were sons before we were humans because we were created in Christ Jesus a very long time ago. Like, so in some ways what God is actually pointing out to Job through a series of questions is, do you remember where you were and who you are, right? This is an identity piece. And one of the things that is um, really interesting about the book of Job, because people, you know, even some of the Bible translators are a bit religious, so they'd say, they, they, they would do things that would mislead the reader. If you, if you travel down um, into verse 21 of, of, of the book of Job 38, it says, do you know it because you were born then or because the number of your days is great? Um, there were several words added because they're italicized in that passage, it and because. In other words, it kind of reads, do you know, because you were born then, the number of your days is great. There's no question mark there that they added that as translators. That's a statement. Um, and so like the, the, the thing is, is, it's like, no, our, our spirits have a great number of days. They are very old. So old, in fact, that our spirits have pre-Adamic experience. And that's where the conversation begins that is now opening up. Okay, so I, I, I gave you all of that background just to like actually get to the main point. So the thing is, what we're realizing is that there are things that happened in the pre-Adamic realm that have a huge effect on the life that people are experiencing now. So I was driving in the car um, uh, 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 about maybe, maybe a month and a half ago now. I was driving in the car and I had a song playing and it was a Christian song in Spanish and it was just, you know, really, I, I, I was really enjoying it at the time, connecting with it, resonating with it. And um, all of a sudden, it was like something opened up inside of me. And it was a well of emotion. And it was tied to nothing I have experience with in my lifetime. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And it came forward with like the knowing, the knowing that I was feeling an emotional response to things that occurred in a pre-Adamic age. They were directly from my spirit. It was directly from my spirit, but it crossed a veil and, and, and actually bridged into my soul and I touched it 
internally. So I will tell you what happened. I lost it. And my eyes were completely welled up with tears. The emotion was so deep and so vast. And there was so much knowledge that I couldn't comprehend behind it. But all I knew was that there was a knowing where the knowledge sat. And, and it was so intense. I couldn't see. And so I'm driving practically blind. And I actually had to, unfortunately, I, I couldn't lean in. I couldn't lean in. It was like, and I wanted to because I'm like, there's so much here, but I can't lean in now because I, I will crash. <laughs> I will crash <laughs> this car, but I can't not, a, like, I can't unexperience this. Yeah. I know this and I don't care if anyone believes me or not. Like I know this for myself. Like I can tell where these emotions are coming from. This has nothing to do with my lifetime or my timeline on the earth. And there was a few like images and flashes that also came along with it. So it helped me to place the knowledge as well. And I was like, goodness gracious. What the heck? So a couple of weeks afterwards, I had a dream. And, and, and in the dream, I was talking to a friend of mine. And it was like I, I began to see him in the spirit. And, and it, in the dream, it was exactly like I see in the spirit in my waking hours. I didn't physically see anything, but I had a knowing. And the knowing was so strong that it was as if I could physically see. And I saw my friend in the dream wearing a signet ring and he had like an emblem and a crest in the spirit. Like his spirit man had these items from, from God, from Jesus Christ. Like they were holy. And I, I, I said in a dream, I'm going to prophesy to him. I'm going to tell him what he has. And so I go to him in the dream and I said, you have this ring and crest and an emblem. And I said, and these are from the age before. And by the age before, what I meant was the pre-Adamic age. In other words, his spirit had an allocation that he was wearing. Now, because of something that he earned or did then. The moment that I said that, I was, it was like a vortex opened up in the dream, which I don't think it was, a, I really don't think it was a dream. Um, it, it was, it was an encounter. So, so a vortex opens up and I'm basically pulled into a, you could call it, it, it was kind of like a wormhole, but it was a realm and it was at the same time a book. It was at the same time a book and the book was actually translated to English. So in the dream, I am able to read what's on the pages. And I'm trying to take this knowledge in because I know that this is heavenly knowledge and I'm not going to find it anywhere. I'm not going to go to the library when I wake up and find this book. Like there's... <laughs> and so... But the information is flying by so fast. I can only grasp like certain clauses, maybe a sentence or two at a time. And, and, 
But you know what the book was about? It was about the exploits, the epic sacrifices, decisions, stories, um, acts of heroism, um, betrayals, and so forth that were chronicled in a pre-Adamic age relative to spirits that had been created. I was in that book and I was reading pieces of it and I couldn't take it in fast enough. And it was very frustrating. Afterwards, I, I, I landed in a realm where I was just talking to Holy Spirit for a little while, which was incredible. And then I was back in that same setting where I saw my friend and it was like time had rewound to the point just before I started talking to him. And I, I'm in the same situation. I'm back there and I see him and I see the same thing in the spirit. He has a signet ring, the crest and the emblem. And I say, I'm going to tell him this. And so I walk over to him and I say, you know what? There you have a, a signet ring, crest, emblem, and he interrupts me in the dream and he says almost like he's vaguely remembering something that he was told. He says, and these are from the age before, almost like he's remembering. And I, I step into, and, and at that point in the dream, I, I look at him and I said, I've told you this before. And then I said, and they shall be like stars forevermore. And I woke up, boom. And then the first thing in my mind is revelation chapter 12. So now, How do I say this? The pre-Adamic realm is a robust period, but it is not, it is not isolated behind current circumstances on a linear timeline. It is another realm that is in some ways, depending on how you think, think it through, playing out in tandem with what we experience as present time. Although from our frame of reference, it would be past. But things that are changing here do have the ability to invoke change there. This is one of the biggest, best kept secrets of the kingdom of darkness you will ever learn. And I'm going to tell you why. Because no one has even considered how much the devil is pulling from the pre-Adamic age. And you asked about frequencies, but I will tell you that, <clears throat> how do I say this? <clears throat> Many technologies that were developed in the pre-Adamic era will only be experienced from the three-dimensional world as a frequency. The technologies themselves are the frequencies because that world occurred much in the spirit realm, in other words, higher dimensions. It, so, so 
So what was built, developed, designed here on the physical 3D plane is experienced as frequencies, which is why as time goes on, the big advancement of enemy technology is really making the strides in the frequency plane, the frequency application of harassment, control, manipulation, programming, et cetera. They're, they're bringing more and more of this in. Wow. I, I'm, I'm just going to stop. I feel like yeah, I feel like I need to give you a chance to ask at least one or two questions. I'm I'm sorry well, if I've been over talking you. I'm still marinating in the interdimensional timeline ripple effect. What I'm seeing in my mind with this, Dan, is we are trophies from a time's past in Christ that are coming into acknowledgement of who we are because of the author and the finisher of our faith. Yeah. Puzzle pieces are starting to come together. And I just have to say that by getting th this honorable opportunity to speak with you again, Dan, I find places within myself shaking and moving and reorganizing one of these common threads with every time I talk with you. <laughs> it's, you. You had mentioned about listening to the music in Spanish at one point in time and having this revelation of an emotional experience that was not within your life experience in this time slot that we currently are operating in. Mm -hmm. Wow, that resonated with me. I'm careful to even try to put words to it because it, it is, it's an exciting emotion and it has to marinate. That's one thing I've learned about myself is I have to marinate. Well, this is the thing, but right? It's fascinating, so, so, Dan. Fascinating. So you talk, about, you talk about the fall of Lucifer, right? The rebellion in the heavens. Yeah. Okay. Now, it seems to be pretty well established in corporate consciousness, like throughout mankind. Like there was some kind of rebellion. And yeah. there are, mm. for that reason, many fallen angels. Like, and everybody mm. knows there are fallen angels. And we can name them, right? Poseidon, Mammon, um, many mm. of the Anunnaki, Enlil, Enki, like, yeah. Yeah. Toth and Osiris. Like these beings, like they, they parade themselves as, as demigods. Different things. But they, they, these things are fallen angels, right? Mm. Well, there were... So... So there's this period in history where decisions were made. Not Angels weren't created fallen. They rebelled. The Bible says of Lucifer, you know, you were perfect until, um, you know, iniquity is found in you. You sinned and, and, and you were cast out of heaven. Like there was a, you know, he was, Lucifer was created as the, like covering cherub, right? And then he is he is involved in all of this trading because of the abundance mm -hmm. of your training. You became filled with violence within and you sinned. Hmm. And so there's it's not it's not isolated. There's a whole rebellion that occurs in conjunction with that. Right? Wow. Well so we know that that's that like every Christian teaches this, like Satan rebelled and God threw him out of heaven. Jesus says in the book of Luke, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Okay. 
So none, none, like none of that is a surprise. Like everything else I said, maybe like, whoa, like the Twilight Zone, but like that, that that's pretty standard. What I'm saying is if we begin to understand that our spirits pre-exist the assignment we get as human beings in whatever age we're born into, we all as spirit beings had a vantage point or a frame of reference on events that occurred before, during, and after the fall and an interaction with that that varied from person to person. Can you imagine, right? So as a spirit being, you have friends and, right, two or three of those spirit beings get in league with Lucifer and they rebel, but you don't. So what kind of feelings, what kind of emotions, what kind of conflict would that create? Like, so we understand in the natural, like we can journey with people, we love people, we care about people and things happen that are unfortunate and it, it causes heartbreak and hurt. Sometimes people abandon ship at the most inopportune times. So those betrayals cause deep pain and they put us in situations that are completely unideal or distressing, right? And it's like, well, yeah. So we understand that, but can you imagine because our spirits are ancient, our spirits walked and experienced the transition from no rebellion to rebellion and have a memory of that and uh, emotion associated with that. The wow. interesting thing that we are running into oh, right now is that this emotion can be the cause for like almost like claims, liens, or blockages on people's ability to walk out their calling in Christ now hmm. because of unprocessed trauma and emotion that sits in the spirit, not even from this age. And I say this from experience because we're already ministering this. This is not guesswork. I have case studies. And so... What changes, however, here is actually having an impact there. And we're at the center of the whole thing. Hmm. Dan, I want to bring up a piece of scripture that, that's ringing to mind with what you're saying. It's Daniel 12.4. But though... O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Don't know why, but that that had to be said on my part. Well, and, and, and if you remember, right, so I'm in the dream. I'm in the dream. And the last words I say is, and they shall be like stars forevermore. Well, you said Revel uh, Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. If you read Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that time, and at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone who was found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting shame and contempt. 
those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. So what's happening is we are moving to the time of the end. The book is opening up. And it is at this time that it will be fulfilled. You know, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the firmament. Those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. I would like to unpack stars, but I can't because we absolutely do not have time. But this is <laughs> deep and far reaching, far beyond, I think, most people's frame of reference. Um, and it really does begin to connect the whole thing. You have to come back and and we have to keep this thing going. I, I want you to plug in where you can be found and give us some closing words. That this was a powerful episode. I'm definitely gonna have to listen to this back myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a lot of cool stuff. Bridemovement.com. We have prayer resources, the church, Bible studies. Um, you can make prayer requests. I mean, we have a whole ministry. We, we have a whole ministry campus down here in Katy, Texas. We, are, we, we sit on a, almost 10 acres of land and we're building all kinds of stuff. And, and so, um, that's exciting. You know, we have a three year, um, uh, um, inner healing and deliverance training program. Now we, we, we finally, we, we started with one year and then we just, you know, kept expanding, <laughs> the training. So now we're <laughs> currently sitting at three. Um, if people need help coaching for deliverance, inner healing, mm. even to explore the reality surrounding their own human spirit, you know, like, wow, Dan's talking about, you know, engaging with the human spirit, speaking to it, building a conversation. Like, how can I do that? Every coach that I've trained on our platform knows how to minister in that way. And even to explore some of these things, it, it's just like there there is a way to do it coach.bridemovement.com and we have a bunch of books i just wrote a new book too we didn't even touch that it's called pummel the devil but that is a biblical foundation for spiritual warfare and it's um it's a great read and i'll make sure i add in a link for your new book pummel the devil in the show notes so you guys listening it's very convenient to drop down to the show notes and find the link to dan's newest book you've authored quite a number of books at this point and i don't see it ending anytime soon <laughs> dan it's always an honor to be with you man all i can say is thank you for your time you're welcome this was fun <laughs> and that's it you guys that is the episode you guys know the deal. Share this with your friends, your family members, with your coworkers. Share this one with your pastor. Yeah, share it with him too. So God bless and goodbye.
please don't make me wait seven months for the anticipation of the cliffhanger that you just dropped. Please, let, can we schedule now? <laughs> 90 days from now, please. What do you have? <laughs> Lord. I feel like you, you are buzzing right now. Thank you.